You're now listening to Sound Talent Media. Check out more shows at SoundTalentMedia.com. Episode 51 of That One Time on Tour is brought to you by the band Kowloon Bay. Kowloon Bay is a five-piece punk band from Chicago, Illinois. Blending styles of old school, new school, and even pop punk, Kowloon Bay has created a sound all their own. Featuring anthemic choruses with infectious hooks, a single listen will leave you humming for days. Their new EP, You're Nothing at All, is available on iTunes, Apple Music, Spotify, Google Play, and all major streaming sites. For more information on the band, check them out on Twitter, at Kowloon Bay Music, and on Facebook, forward slash Kowloon Bay Chicago. Now here it is, their new single, It's Good to Be a Lie.
Hey, this is Steve Choi, host of the Musicians Guild podcast, part of the Sound Talent Media Podcast Network. Within the four walls of the Musicians Guild, we'll be discussing the habits, idiosyncrasies, experiences, and general psychology of my friends and peers, all involved with music in various capacities. Listen and subscribe at SoundTalentMedia.com. Hey, what's going on, everybody? This is another episode of That One Time on Tour. And as always, I am your host, Chris Swinney, back with another stellar conversation with somebody in or around the entertainment industry. This week is a great one. I'm so excited about this episode. I got to sit down and speak with Connor from Boys Night Out. He's also in a great new band called Pale Drone. So you guys need to check out Pale Drone. I'm going to play some at the end of this episode. But Connor and I, man, we, we hit it off. Like I've always been a huge fan of Boys Night Out. Their album Trainwreck is probably in like my top five records of all time. It's such a good record. But I hit up Connor, and he actually liked the show already. He listened to the show. It kind of blew me away. But uh, he came on the show, and we had such a good time. We talked about so much stuff. We had a lot of mutual friends. It was just kind of like a match made in heaven, man. So Connor and I are bros now. We're actually talking about doing some music together, so that might be a little project you'll be hearing in the future. But before I get to my conversation with Connor, and believe me, it's a good one, so you want to stick around for that. Last week on the show, I had Ben, formerly of Yellow Card, and uh, he told this really cool story. I guess it's cool. It's actually kind of creepy. And I'm not trying to call anybody out, but he, he told this story about Richard from drive through and how, uh, they had to like, you know, go to Richard's house and walk on his back and all this weird stuff. And, um, he asked me, he said, you know, talk to other people. He talked to Kenny from starting line, all these different people. And they'll tell you their Richard stories about, you know, Richard from drive through. And I didn't do that because I've been so busy. I didn't have a chance to talk to anybody that I know that is on drive through. But we had a listener, uh, Chris Parks from Idaho. He was in a band called Bridging States. He wrote in and actually, he, it's awesome. It's like an essay, gave his actual story of, you know, what happened when they went to drive through. They were actually going to sign to drive through. And he has a story that is very eerily similar to Ben's story from last week's podcast. So uh, I know this is kind of lame, but I'm, I'm just going to read the entire email. So bear with me. I'm going to start this right now. This comes from uh, loyal listener Chris Parks from the band Bridging States. He's out of Boise, Idaho. And uh, this is his email. It's pretty awesome. I'm going to do my best to get through it. It's kind of long. So here we go. And in, in quotes, the title of the email is Our First Real Tour. <clears throat> so here we go. Father's Day weekend 2004 was supposed to be a quick trip to visit my parents in Stockton, California. When my mom asked me about going there, I quickly realized I could turn it into a quick weekend out-of-state excursion tour, in quotes, for the band. As fast as I could, I booked us a show for Friday night that weekend, and we quickly went about talking our guitarist parents into letting us commandeer their minivan for the trip. It's funny, my first real tour I ever went on, we used my grandmother's minivan. Our guitarist parents were the best. They let us practice three nights a week at their house, fed all dinner every time, and never complained once. <laughs> Here they are letting us use their van to leave the state, and I was responsible. I was the responsible one at 20 years old, while the rest of the guys were on summer break and only 17. We removed the third row seating in the van and crammed every bit of our gear and five dudes into the damn thing in the heat of the summer and left home at 10 p.m. 
We drove through the night and arrived Friday morning in California. We did it. A real band on tour. I visited my family all day and the guys swam in my parents' pool and relaxed. That night, we loaded in to a total dive and played for all of seven people. All of my family. That's pretty awesome. After the gig, we loaded out and went back to my parents. I had texted, I had been texting my buddy Thomas, who at the time was in a band called The Chemistry on Razor and Tie. And he told me they were playing with Bleed the Dream in Pomona, California the next night and that we needed to drive down to LA and open the show. Bam, now we were on a real tour. After figuring our plan for the next few days of travel, we were all hanging out and I was on AOL Messenger. You guys remember AOL Messenger? I do. He was on AOL Messenger chatting with Richard Rines, the owner of Drive Through Records. We had at that point opened for quite a few drive through bands and I had chatted with him for a few, a few times before so it wasn't too weird. Yet when I told Richard we were playing Pomona, he invited us to the drive through Records house in Calabasas so he could meet us and listen to our demo. We were beside ourselves as at the time we were obsessed with all things drive through Records and being a tiny band from Boise, Idaho, we couldn't believe it. First weird thing that happened was Richard demanded we all be wearing brand new white socks. No other color of socks would be allowed in the house. We made the six-hour drive for my parents arriving at a gated community entry sometime in the mid-afternoon. We rang the house and Richard led us through the gate. As we pulled up to the place, we were in absolute awe. Here we are, five dudes from a small town of 7,000 people, and we're standing in front of a massive estate two doors down from Jessica Simpson's house. Laugh out loud. We knocked on the door and Richard let us in. We made our way into he and Stephanie's office and again we're in complete awe of the ultra rare Star Wars and Disney movie props, a massive wall of CDs, vinyl and cassettes, and tons of really great other memorabilia from all the drive through bands. While we were in there, we answered a bunch of questions for him. Richard showed us around the whole house, the theater room, multiple bedrooms, backyard oasis, etc. <laughs> Things go super weird. Things got super weird when he escorted us to his bedroom and locked the door behind us. His reason was the good sound system is in there. He put on our demo and before hitting play, he explained to us that we were all not only going to take turns walking on his back, but <laughs> that we'd all attempt to do it at the same time because he has a bad back and it helps him. He implied before that there was a good chance he'd be signing us because his bands knew of us and he'd heard good things about us. With much hesitation, we agreed to do the weird backwalking because, hey, it's Richard from Drive Through, right? Richard finally pressed play and listened to all five songs while we walked on his back to his weird moans and groans. <laughs> there were a group of Hispanic men outside his bedroom window laughing at us as they constructed the pool but could see what was happening. After all this, he politely gave us some advice about things we could work on, such as song structure and tempos, and told us we were well on our way to getting signed, but weren't ready at that time from what he had heard. I made some comments, and some of the other guys did as well. We had told him that we'd be happy to work with a producer at drive-thru's expense, and knew that with a little guidance, we had some great songs. Richard said that was a possibility and something he'd think about hard. <laughs> Luckily, the show we played that night with the chemistry and Bleed the Dream went off. There were a good amount of kids, 
and we were exposed to playing a premier venue in Southern California. That night, we headed off into the dark and started our 16-hour trek across the desert home. That portion of the trip is another story itself for a later time. So Chris Parks, I want to thank you so much for uh, writing in. That story is wonderful. If uh, any of you guys out there listening have any weird stories like that, I mean, it doesn't always have to be about walking on Richard's back, but if, if you do have that story, go ahead and send it in. Okay, so uh, since I read a long, crazy email, there's not going to not going to be any top five lists this week, but I do want to tell you to get your questions in now for next week's big Ask Chris year anniversary episode. Uh, my wife's going to be on the podcast. She's going to be asking me some questions. I'm compiling a list of questions. I have some great ones. So uh, make sure that you hit me up and give me some questions. Uh, speaking of hitting me up, if you want to become a sponsor of the show, like the band at the beginning, Kowloon Bay, you can email me at TOTOTpodcast at gmail.com or hit me up on any of the social media platforms. It's at TOTOTpodcast. And uh, we have some sponsors I need to tell you about. Artist Flags, an amazing company. I tell you about them all the time. They make scrims and backdrops for bands and, and, and whatever. So if you guys need something for your band, you need to promote your band, go to artistflags.com. Hit Cody up over there. He's awesome. He will help you out. And their prices are, are ridiculously low. So check out artistflags.com. And this is a big one too. Permanence Tattoo Gallery over in Anderson, Indiana. You know, it's local. So if you're a local guy around here, you need to check it out. But my buddy Jacob, the owner over there, I just got back a little bit ago. I went and got tattooed. And while he was tattooing me, we did a podcast. So that's going to be coming up in the near future. You're going to get to hear Jacob's story. And uh, I was listening to it a little bit earlier. I was editing a little bit. And it's crazy because you can hear the tattoo machine the whole time that we're talking. And I was in some pain. It was pretty bad. I, I posted pictures on the on the Instagram. So head on over there and check out the tattoos that I got. And one of the tattoos I got was actually uh, the heart skull from Alexis on Fire. So, you know, maybe that will coerce the guys into coming on the show. I've talked to Steele and Jordan and, and a couple of those guys. So, so come on guys, come on the show. I got a tattoo cause I love your band so much, <laughs> but, uh, yeah, that's it for the sponsors. You know, that just helps us keep the lights on. Uh, if you want to help us keep the lights on, become a patron, go on over to patreon.com forward slash T O T O T podcast. And you can get all kinds of exclusive content. I just posted a brand new exclusive episode for the patrons. So head on over there for less than a cup of coffee, a nice cup of coffee a month. You can be a patron and you can help us out in quality and content. Make sure to subscribe, rate, and review wherever you check out your podcasts. And that's going to do it. I, I've, I've spoke for a really long time. This is a super long intro. So I'm going to get right into my conversation with Connor from Boys Night Out. This is an awesome one. I can't wait for you guys to hear it. Connor's definitely going to be back in the future. Uh, we've even discussed maybe doing some sort of podcast together. So who knows what's going to happen. But uh, here it is, my conversation with Connor from Boys Night Out and Pale Drone. And I'm on the line with Mr. Connor Lovett Frazier. Is that how you say your name? Yeah, man, it's close enough. I mean, you're American, <laughs> so it. You're gonna blow it anyway. I took four years of French, and I I can't I can say parlez-vous français, and that's about all I can say. So, oh, you're ahead of probably most of the people I know who live in this country anyway. Then, <laughs> man, I've spent a lot of time up in Canada, and uh, I just remember at one point 
I was on tour up there and uh, everybody was really upset with George Bush and some girl in, in Quebec would not let me sleep in her apartment that we were supposed to sleep at because I was American. I had to sleep in the van. Well, you were the run, one running his campaign. So, I mean, you have to take responsibility <laughs> where where you can. It only makes sense. Yeah, I, I swore up and down. I'm like, I didn't vote for him. I don't like him, but I was the only American with a bunch of Canadians. And she's like, no, she goes, I have no problem with you. You just can't sleep in my house. You're American. <laughs> Is that when you were touring with Reason? Yeah, that was actually that. I think that was sewing with Nancy before they actually changed the oh, name. Oh, nice. Hey, it's Cubby's birthday today. Hey, I, and you know what? Cubby sent in a question. Oh, shit. so that we're going to we're going to get to that. We're going to get to our buddy, James Nealon, Mr. Cubby's nice. question later on. Yeah. But, uh, so, Connor, um, you know, I, I think we probably have met before, but it, it's been a really long time. I've been a fan of yours and, and the bands that you've been in for quite a long time. So I want to thank you oh, very you. much for coming on the show today. It means a lot to me. Oh, well, thank you. I mean, as a as a more or less washed up, irrelevant human, I'm thrilled that somebody would want to talk to me at all. Well, but I mean, the stuff that you put out, the art that you guys did, you're, you're never going to be irrelevant. You might be washed up. <laughs> well, yeah, wash, I'll take washed up. Well, it's two washed up musicians talking on a podcast. You can't beat that. Fuck yeah, it is. <laughs> okay, so I just want to get right into this. I know we're probably going to have tangents and all kinds of stuff, but... Oh, please, yes. The way that I start this out, I'm always really interested in how my how my guests got into music, like your upbringing, like what was your first experience and something that just made you want to be a part of music? Okay, uh, well... Uh... I mean, I wasn't like a young punk kid or anything like that. I, I didn't grow up in listening to punk rock music when I was really young. I mean, for me, uh, getting into actual music and realizing like, hey, there, this stuff is kind of cool outside of like Sharon Lois and Bram and Raffi and all that stuff uh, was like going on car rides with my parents. And yeah. I, I remember very clearly my dad would so often listen to uh, Paul Simon's Graceland uh, which to this day is one of my favorite albums. It's a great but, like, album. That's, great album. Man. Oh, unbelievable. Um, like that, and I, my mom listened all the time to Peter, Paul, and Mary. Um, and yeah, lots of Rolling Stones and things like that. Like, so I, I think it was at that point, like really connecting to that on car drives. I was like, oh man, this stuff's cool. I, I kind of, I kind of dig it. But I mean, aside from that very young realization that music was a thing, I, I didn't play it again until my teenage years. Yeah. Like I, I, yeah, I went most of, uh, my childhood, not even being that into music. I would mess around on a piano cause I was bored. Uh, couldn't play it worth anything, but I would try. Uh, did you take guitar and, lessons or anything when you were young? Nope. Absolutely not. So no it's totally self-taught. Cause I know most people yeah. know you from singing, but you know, from going back deep diving into some of your stuff online and talking yeah. talking to you over the last couple of weeks, you know, texting back and forth, I know yep. that you play drums and you play guitar. You do all kinds of stuff, man. Yeah, I I started out as a drummer in a skate punk band uh, called Gym Class Jokes. That was my first. Well, first band was called Treebeard, and that was with uh, Ginty from the Creep Show. Wow, um, that's awesome. Yeah. That, that would have been in, oh my God, uh, 9th, 10th, maybe 11th grade. Um, you know what? Like, I got, I got to stop you right there because you're Canadian mm -hmm. and you just said 11th grade instead of grade 11. I was uh, conditioned by <laughs> your terrible people uh, one time yeah. when Boys Night Out was touring with uh, For Dire Life's Sake. 
and another great like, band. That's a great. Band. Yeah, man. Like say dollar, say boots. <laughs> God damn it! I, I don't want to be made fun of anymore. So I try. There's certain things I say that are very much Americanized. Just because you're relentless people with shallow, shallow hearts. Well, dude, I, I when I came <laughs> back, I, shallow hearts. Thanks, man. When I you're was welcome. up there, I used to spend so much time up there. I toured with, you know, sewing with Nancy, and then they became the reason. And I, yep. did, I did stuff up there with all the bands that I've played with. And I just remember there was one time when I was with the reason. It was almost like a two month tour. And when I came back, I was upending my sentences a little bit kind of like oh, the Canadian yeah. accent and I will also yep. to this day whenever I spell favorite or color I always put the U in there oh bless your heart Christopher yeah. that's <laughs> uh, yeah I it's the weird little things like I and I usually nine out of ten times will omit the U yeah uh which I, I don't know it's just exposure I probably spent more of my 20s touring stateside than in Canada so uh, yeah so when you you were you know you were in high school you're playing in these bands mm -hmm. like what was uh the first band that really kind of made like what was your influence at that point you said you were in a skate punk band were you into yeah. all the skate punk stuff loved it i loved it all man um but yeah i mean like i said like i wasn't really into punk rock i was more of like a grunge alternative kid um in in the early high school years, like toward the end of elementary school into high school, uh, prior to that, it was mostly hip hop. Um, and then, uh, yeah, I think I started going to local shows, just the, the friends that I had, uh, Bob Anderson and, and Rich, uh, who were in gym class, joke with me. Uh, and a whole bunch of us started going to local shows. And that was my first real experience with live music. And there was uh, lots of awesome bands but there was this one cool skate punk ish band called trunk uh and uh i loved them i i thought it was awesome and then and where did you uh, i know you grew up in ontario but what part of ontario yeah. uh burlington burlington okay burlington, ontario spent yeah, a lot absolutely. of time up there man yeah dude it's uh, a lot of crazy bands came out of there and then yeah from there it kind of just went backwards i would uh i mean the first real punk rock bands i love were like seven seconds um and and things like that but uh yeah it, it wasn't until early high school that i actually got into punk rock well that, that's cool so you said some hip-hop i'm always interested because oh yeah i think there's some parallels drawn between maybe some of the underground punk stuff and the hip-hop stuff what, sure, what were some of the hip-hop groups that that you really liked back then well <laughs> Uh, the, I mean, the stuff I loved the most was like, uh, public enemy and, uh, NWA when I, when I was in, I think seventh grade, uh, we went on a camping trip and, uh, I had, uh, an NWA cassette with me and, uh, yeah, they took it away. It was just too <laughs> offensive for them. And they, they took that shit away from me on the camping trip. That and I sucks, remember, man. Oh, dude, I had a cool Modi cassette taken away from me and like oh, all my favorite stuff. But yeah, that I mean, that was, uh, you know, the 80s and 90s. So uh, when I was in elementary school, so all that stuff from back then, that that was that was what I was into. I still love it. How, how old are you? I don't think I've even asked you that. I uh, I'm 39. I'll be 40 this June. I just turned 40 last October, man. We're like the same, well, almost the same age. So, man. You, what what how did you feel about like the death row and all that stuff like the west coast east coast battle stuff uh i didn't care uh about the like the 
the battle and the beefs and stuff like that. Yeah. I liked artists out of all of it. Um, like there was lots of good stuff coming out of both camps. And I, I thought it was, uh, I wasn't a part of it. I wasn't involved in that scene. Right. And, and I'm sure it was very real, but to me it was just consumption of, of music more than anything. I, I don't f- care w- which coast you're from. I, I feel like when we were growing up, you know, since I know now that we're pretty much the same age, yep. I, I feel like there was really good hip hop, really good rock and roll, I mean, yeah. even the pop stuff, I think is, I mean, I know I sound like the old fogey, but I think it's even better than it is now, or at least more thought out and maybe written better. I just feel like growing up in the, you know, late nineties, early to mid nineties, like being a kid in that, that yep. age, there's just, there was so much to grasp onto. And with the internet being a far flung thing in the future, it yeah. seemed like, it seemed like the consumption of music, you had to think about it more. You had to find oh, yeah. stuff, you know? Oh, I, yeah, I couldn't agree more, man. I was, I was joking with, um, some friends the other day, just about growing up in like a, a pre-internet utopia where, you know, where combinations of words like wedding hashtag didn't exist. Yeah. Yeah. And like, um, yeah, really sourcing stuff out and how hard it was to, to find somebody who heard this or somebody had their older brother's tape of this and you have to hear it. Um, whereas now it's, it's so immediate and I think that's a blessing and a curse. Um, but yeah, even, even the bands that we were in, man, like, you know, uh, shit, you, you played with the Ataris and stuff like that. I remember trying my damnedest to find Ataris to download illegally. (laughs) And, uh, do you want to know what I did with one of my first bands? It was like right when Napster was getting like. It was still kind of in its infancy, but what I would do is I would log on to Napster and they would always have like, you know, I would I'd try to get some no effects or I'd try to get whatever. Oh yeah, bud. And I started realizing you could see how many times each thing had been downloaded. So yes. when, when my first band, uh, like that I started in high school, Chronic Chaos, we were putting songs out and we were kind of punky and metally and, and I would go on there and I would label it as new no effects unreleased <laughs> and then we'd get like 800 downloads in one night and i get all excited but i'm like man they're gonna hate it because it's not no effects <laughs> oh but man what a way to get heard and that's it that was that um young enterprising deceptive shit that you had to do to get yourself heard man did you ever do the, did you ever do the thing that people refer to as drop lifting where like you have a record out but you're not on a label or anything so when you would go on the road or go play in other cities you'd go to record stores and you'd find in alphabetical order where your CD yes. would be, and then you drop a couple there. Uh, absolutely. Since there's a barcode, like they have to charge something, and it reports yep. to SoundScan since there's a barcode. Oh sure, man. And I mean, you know, when <laughs> we first started being on the road, like like with Gym Class Joke, for instance, like we would put our non-barcoded tapes in record stores, not yeah. realizing I'm like, well, I don't know what's going to happen. Maybe somebody will just take it. Go ahead. You, you, you go ahead and have this. Who cares? <laughs> and to awesome. be a hundred percent truthful, like boys night out, like always was, was pretty encouraging of downloading. Uh, but I mean, we were the methods of our own destruction, but like, yeah. um, but I mean, who, yeah. who really made any, I mean, I tell people this all the time. Like I I'm friends with the guys on Thursday and like every time I would see them, they would always say, you know, 
for one thing, they had a problem with victory, but they would always go, go steal our music, steal our music. Yeah. Nobody yeah. ever really made that much off of maybe royalties at the every six months or whatever, if you actually sold a lot, but sure, man, just take my shit. I make money off of touring. It's always been that way for independent bands. Yeah. I, yeah, I couldn't agree more band. It, it's just more. Yeah. Be, be heard is I, I think is why most of us started bands is because we were doing something that we wanted somebody to hear. We had this weird, stupid ghost demon inside of us that that had something to put out there into the world. Yeah, <laughs> and the, the idea was just to get people to hear it. I you know, didn't intend to get rich off anything. Yeah, I mean, when I was, you know, let me, <sighs> let me see, we're the same age. So when I was like probably thirteen to fifteen, mm-hmm. I mean, my biggest thing in the world, other than bands like no effects and bad religion and stuff like that. I was also a metal guy because I loved playing guitar and sometimes the punk nice. stuff wasn't quite as challenging. So Metallica was a big deal to me, especially like the first four records. And yep. I would see them on MTV and, you know, and then you'd see them like on different things where they're, they're loaded, they're rich, they're the richest band in the world. I never thought that was going to be me because the music that I played didn't lend itself to that lifestyle. Do you know what I'm ah, saying? Ah, Fair. I mean, because there was no, like, I mean, I know there was Offspring and Green Day and all that stuff when we were growing up that actually got there, but I never thought that the crazy punk rock stuff I was writing with my buddies was going to make me a millionaire. I just wanted to tour and take care of myself off my music. Yeah, absolutely, man. And how cool was it that, like, to be able to tour, to be able to go on the road and just, ah, man, yeah. It's awesome. It's such a cool thing to be able to do. And I, I mean, that's how, like I said, I, I spent my 20s doing that shit. And I am so glad I had that opportunity. I always tell people, though, be careful what you wish for. Because, like, your whole life is like, I just want to go on tour. I just want to go on tour. And then when you're at, like, you're in the middle of a six-month tour with no time at home. And you're <laughs> yep. like, man, I'd really, like, just go lay on my couch and watch TV or something. <laughs> yes, I yeah. And I was talking with, uh, with, uh, somebody today or the other day about this too is it was it's a grass is always greener thing man depending on what level of band you're in uh while you're out on the road you're always just like oh man i want to go home yeah uh, right when you're in the thick of it when you're at home you're like oh man this sucks i have no money i need to get back on the road like it's just this constant war back and forth of I don't know who I am at all, do I? And you get that post-tour syndrome, too, where, like, you're so ready to go home, you go home, but then there's no schedule, Yeah, there's no agenda, and you almost feel worse because you're just sitting around doing nothing, and then you you get back on the road, and then you miss home the second day, you know? Yes, absolutely, man. But, ah, yeah, it's it's crazy. It's hard to to think of why I wanted to stop touring at that time. I know why I did, but I can't relate to that guy. Well, I mean, I, I get offers on a weekly, monthly basis to go back on the road with different bands, but yep. I, I have children now and I just, man, more power to the people that can do it. But man, I, yes. I can't imagine being away from my kids for more than a couple of days. Yeah, it's and it's a really real thing uh, because and, and people when they ask about, you know, will Boys Night Out ever tour again? Uh, it honestly isn't a matter of us not wanting to go out and play or anything like that. It's just, it's a logistical nightmare. Um, we, we would love to be able to do it, but even getting time to practice, 
uh, fully because Boys Night Out would take a lot of practice to be tour ready. Uh, ready well, yeah, at I, all. I can't imagine something. Mean, we'll get into my love of your stuff later, but I can't imagine you guys being able to go out and perform the songs off Trainwreck without at least a few <laughs> a few months of rehearsal. Those songs yeah, well, are so exactly. Tight. Yeah. yeah, and I think even then you're being a little generous. Like, uh, <laughs> like it, yeah, it would take some doing, uh, some absolute doing. It's crazy. But yeah, it's not that we don't want to. It's that, we, and maybe we will play shows, and it's yeah. always on the table. Like, it really, really is. But like, it's just right now, it, no tours. Absolutely not. So let's, uh, we'll try to get back on track. I've got this little outline, and tangents are totally Ooh. cool, but I want to try to get through some of this. So, um, <laughs> You, you were playing, luck you. playing in bands in high school. Now, one thing that I saw online, and mm-hmm. I, I kind of assume this, you, you being from Canada and whatnot, but we both have a love for the band Grade. Oh, absolutely, man. So how did, you, how did you get into Grade? Like, I found out about them late because I'm from the Midwest and, you know, they tour down here a little bit, but you being from that area that they're from, I'm sure you got into them a little bit earlier than I did. What was your first experience well, with Grade? Well, not, I mean, not even entirely but i remember uh bob again who was in jib class joke like his his brother had an incision tape and that's who grade was before they were great yeah um and so he showed me this i thought it was really really cool but uh i went to the same high school as a bunch of those guys uh and we're not too far apart i think you know while when they were on the cusp of graduating i was in ninth grade or something like that um so they played at the high school for part of like a high school, not talent show, but like, you know, uh, the thing to showcase the, the talent in that high school. So I was in ninth grade and, and grade played at the high school. Um, that was my first experience with them. I just thought it was awesome. But yeah, just through the local scene, man, same thing. Just like people going to shows, they would play locally all the time. Uh, and just a really, really cool band. Uh, like a melodic hardcore band. Well, that was the thing that uh, kind of caught me about that band because they had the brutal kind of screaming, like aggressive stuff, but it was mixed yep. with like the guitars were always so pretty and melodic and yep. they did harmonies. And, and then like when, you know, Kyle's the singer, right? Yep. When, when Kyle would actually kind of come out of that rasp a bit and do some melodies like that band was just, I thought they were untouchable, man. Oh, for sure. And then that's, uh, I mean, clearly a huge influence on, on the music that I was a part of, um, subsequently like that. And, uh, there was a lot of other bands that I was listening to at that time. Uh, like there were bands like Anna Sarka and Julia and, and, and all these great bands that were doing this melodic hardcore thing. It was uh, awesome. I loved it. So you're in that, you're in a, gym class joke was there a band between that and boys night out oh god there's a hundred um <laughs> give me give me the, the cliff notes version of <laughs> the cliff the cliff notes okay so there was a gym class joke where i was playing drums uh at the same time of that i was in uh kind of like a hardcore-ish metal band called two shades of pain uh, <laughs> that's a great name uh, I was the sure is uh, uh, the vocalist for that band. We later changed our name to The Day Had Died. Um, and uh, quick tangent, like we would play a lot of shows with uh, New Day Rising who okay. was from around this area. And then New Day Rising makes up most of Pale Drone okay. now. 
Um, but from there, I teamed up with a bunch of really good friends, uh, including Charles Monez, who who produced Bruno Mars uh, wow. in, in, in an emo band called Gang of Five Robots. <laughs> Uh, from there, uh, with such classic hits as, uh, uh, booties, just beauty without you or something like that, or whatever the (laughs) fuck we call those songs. Uh, from there, there was, uh, the Pettit project, which was, which was a lot of fun with like Scott Comer, uh, and Charles Moniz was in that Sean Butchart, uh, who was also in Boys Night Out for a while was in that band. Yeah. I'd always heard that name around. And I yeah. ne- I never checked it out, and I just I I in my own mind all the Canadian bands I like hang out together in like a big house. So incestuous, dude. So I thought I thought in my head the Pettit Project that's got to be George's side project from Alexis. <laughs> mm. It wouldn't have been so far fetched, man. Yeah. like that band had a lot of people come in and out of it. It's 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 wild, um, but yeah, from Pettit Project, uh, it was really. Uh, a straight jump to boys night out um jeff and i were both in pettit project and and we started boys night out while we were doing pettit uh but boys night out existed prior uh to to me doing anything with jeff they they had played shows with a different singer in like uh the tail end of the 90s just like a couple shows uh and then disbanded i always just liked the name boys night out for like a heavier sort of punk rocky band. Yeah. Uh, and we used the name in a, a couple of riffs from some of the songs they had written, like sketch artist composite and, uh, anatomy of the journey, uh, came right out of that band. So you guys really got going. I, I mean, from my notes and these might be wrong. I don't know. I got them off Wikipedia, so they might be wrong. Oh yeah. Well, nothing wrong with Wikipedia. <laughs> so you guys got the band kind of going and together and everything was firing. And around 2001, you, yep. p- you put out, you know, a demo, right? Yeah. And then what was the process like getting signed to ferret? Because I mean, you guys signed with them like around the end of 2002, the beginning of 2003, that seems like such a short amount of time to, to go from just putting out a demo with a new band to then getting signed to what at the time was a fairly large independent label. Well, it, it, and it was messed up. It made no sense to us. We were just, you know, idiot kids playing music that we liked. And we, the shit was up on mp3.com. Um, and which is how we connected with for dire life's sake and stuff like that. Uh, and then that's how we were heard by those guys. Uh, Chris from one day savior, uh, Chris Tompanakis, uh, who was also the singer for sky came falling. Uh, put us on his label One Day Savior uh, to release Broken Bones and Bloody Kisses. Uh, he said, you know, I like these songs, let, let's do it. And then uh, ultimately that turned into doing, uh, going straight from there and having the next album come out on Ferret, which was Make Yourself Sick. Yeah. So it was a straight shot and that's kind of how they had planned it. But we we were blown away, like right away, because we knew who Ferret was. Um, you know, like the roster for both those labels was pretty stacked. Um, and we couldn't believe that they wanted anything to do with us. We didn't even seem to really fit a ton. I mean, uh, I, I will, I will say that when I was made aware of the band and it was before train wreck, it was on the first, yep. it was on the make, make yourself sick when it came out. And I remember thinking how much I liked the band, but thinking that 
you guys didn't really fit with the rest no, of the bands on the label. No, it made no sense. Which is kind of cool because you don't just get lost in the shuffle. Even if people don't like True. it, you're still the one that stands out. Yeah, and and we knew that. And I think, honestly, like Carl uh, and Chris, like Carl Ryan Ferret and, and Chris, when they say you're like, they that style of music that we were doing was, was the stuff that like was just about to explode. Um, like that sort of some screaming, a lot of singing, which like we had taken cues from bands like grade. Yeah. Um, like that was what got massive in the, like the early two thousands. That was the explosive stuff. So I don't know if they just kind of saw that coming. They're like, Hey, here's a band who might be able to, be our version of that on this label but they like i we owe them everything man now i've read this thing online i was actually going through old interviews and everything and oh and my god one th- i always do a lot of research i want to make sure these are good conversations don't do that <laughs> so oh, no. i was made aware by a couple articles from way back in the day that <laughs> some some fans of yours after signing to ferret and releasing the full length make yourself sick <laughs> We're yep. a little, we're a little freaked out because it was a little more poppy, a little bit yeah. more punky. Now, was yep. that was that just a kind of a, an evolution that happened to you guys, or was it something that you you're like, man, we're going to be on this label, we got to make everything a little bit tighter and more concise and like, oh what? no, no, it certainly wasn't because uh, you know like some a- some bands are like, we got to make this work. I mean, I think bands should just be themselves, and that's why I figured yeah. it was just an evolution. Yeah, no, we were ourselves to a fault. Um, I, I mean, like we never uh, really took notes that well or listened uh, to outside input, uh, and they never tried to sway us in that direction by by any stretch of the imagination. But uh, it was just what we were writing to us, going from broken bones to to make yourself sick. Uh, I mean, we were conscious of it having less screaming. Uh, but it was just the songs that were happening. It, yeah. We weren't writing it saying like, Hey, why don't we scream less? Yeah. Uh, it just, it just made sense. I mean, ultimately we did away with the, the screaming more or less altogether. And that was just because I have no idea how to fucking sing. Like, I don't know, <laughs> I'm not a trained singer and I was blowing out my voice. So yeah. this, the screaming just had to go, uh, and, uh, but no, yeah. And people were fucking furious. <laughs> They couldn't, how dare we ditch the screaming and stuff like that. And I get it. If you're into that music and you're young and these are the bands you like, it's that those first albums you hear are the ones that set the tone. And we definitely changed gears, man. Like there's no doubting it. So when Make Yourself Sick came out in 2003, did it right out of the gate do fairly well for you guys and for Ferret? Or was it kind of a slow rise? Like how did, how did it happen when it came out? Uh, I th- I think it was pretty slow. Um, like, was, was there a know, lot of touring right after or in in like oh, yeah. leading up to it? Oh yeah, absolutely, man. Uh, r- right off the hop, because that's all we wanted to do. We were so excited to get on the road uh, and just do it. I you know I'm a couple uh, years older than the rest of the guys in the band, um, but not by much. But uh, yeah, I just wanted to get out on the road and we could do that. We were young enough where it, it made sense that we could go and crash on people's couches and and do that. So we played more in because of where the labels were located in like Jersey and New York uh, and Michigan, thanks to Fredire Lifesake, who are like our homies right off the hop. 
Um, we played more in those states uh, probably than we did at home. And we played at home a lot, obviously. But yeah, we, we spent a lot of time uh, going around the states. Tons. Now, I remember, I think that was that year was one of the first years I actually saw you. I think I saw you guys. I seem to remember Saves the Day being the, the headliner, maybe. Yeah, that was an awesome tour. And I think I saw you on the Nintendo Fusion tour as well with Fallout Boy, right? Yep. Yeah, yeah. How was that? Because, I mean, I know at that point they were a fairly large band, but it's not like the stadium stuff they're doing now. Was it? Was that like the first big tour that you guys did? That was, yeah, easily the biggest tour we did. Um, and that was when uh, that that album for them was was really gaining traction. And there was a couple instances on that tour um, where uh, the venue had to be changed because it wasn't accommodating the sales. So the venues would get bigger and bigger as that tour would go on, which was which was a crazy thing to see. And I mean, you know, we people responded to us fairly well uh, most of the time. Sometimes, you know, not so much. Yeah. Uh, but yeah, like, and it was it was so much fun uh being a part of that and seeing those bands getting that kind of feedback and that kind of play and that kind of just response from the crowd it was nuts you guys also did warped around that time too right oh yeah 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 what was your what was your takeaway from warped i mean a lot of bands love it a lot of bands hate it i've done so many warp days i can't even keep track i've played every stage on an entire tour how was it for you guys doing warp tour well, the first time we did it was um, we we were just played a couple random dates, and that was around the Make Yourself Sick time. We were just in, like rented a small, really small RV, and uh, and like you know, uh, you're segregated into how big your band is in terms of like where you park and everything like that. And we were definitely a baby band. Yeah. Um, and, and we're treated as such and rightfully so like we, we had no need or want to be treated anything that we were, but that one was a hard one. It's super hard. Uh, you know, when those warp tour days, it's pouring ass rain <laughs> and you're trekking your gear through the mud, yep. uh, just trying to set up your goddamn tent, uh, to hopefully make a couple bucks and, and all that shit. It's hard. Um, and after that, we, after Trainwreck came out during a warp tour. Wow. Um, during 2005. Um, and we were getting bigger crowds at that time uh, and had people there with us helping us, like Matt Walpauer, Wally. Um, he was doing all all the heavy lifting for us and we were lazy and high uh <laughs> and and like dude worked his ass off um to do it and to the point where like the last day of the tour he's like hey fuck you guys you're doing all of this shit yourself yeah <laughs> you lazy pieces of shit haven't done anything um all tour so here you go and and bless his heart for it we also set fire to our tent after that like <laughs> instead of packing it up but um like while it was still in the field. Uh, and, and we had like, uh, our friend Dave Arnold, AKA smoke Parker, uh, who did those boys night out adventure log books. He was on tour with us at that time as, uh, our guitar tech and all around good guy. Um, 
doing that. So that made things easier is that we had friends that were on tour with us, you know, be it Gordy Ball or Cody, Finney, Party City, um, who made those tours easier. But the Warp Tour is a hard tour to be on, man. Like you've done it. It's it's a ton of work. Well, like, but it is fun. I, I, I tell I tell people when I talk to him about it all the time because people always ask. It's like, man, if I'm in my mid early to mid twenties, I I'll do the whole tour in a van. But man, yep. going out and doing it like after thirty, like I want a bus, I want air conditioning, I want a shower. Oh yeah, and we we did that one in two thousand five on a bus. That's um, that's the only way to do it, man. I mean, I've done both, and it's bus, yeah. buses are nicer. They they are, and we we just we were awesome for we didn't make a ton of money, and the yeah, little that's what money people don't understand make. because I mean even I mean I don't even know what it is now, but back when I was touring a few years back, even like a cheap bus that you're sharing with another band is like five hundred bucks a day. Yeah, oh, easy man, easy. And you got to pay and, for and, a hotel for the for the driver. You got to do all kinds yep. of stuff. Yeah, and. uh yeah, it, it's it's nuts. Uh, so what little money we did make went right into just making ourselves comfortable. <laughs> and that was it. Just like gluttonous, comfortable living on the road. And I remember one of our tour, uh, our buses broke down on that war tour. So we, the replacement we got was this uh, tequila. It was wrapped with a tequila company thing <laughs> like Los Cazadores or something like that. Uh, and it was just the party bus, man. Uh, everybody would come party on that bus uh, because it just had like girls with their shirts off on the wrap uh, of the bus. <laughs> so why would you not want to go to that bus and see what idiots are on it? And surprise, motherfuckers, it was us. See, so I, I would I would think that maybe, you know, Kevin Lyman or somebody there with some of the big brass at Warp Tour would have an issue with that since that company was probably not a sponsor of the tour. <laughs> I, it was allowed somehow. I I don't know, man. Uh, it was and it was fun. Uh, and and those nights are so cool, man. All like there's very little hierarchy in terms of which bands are hanging out with which bands. Like, oh yeah, if you're a baby, it, it it doesn't it, matter if you're a baby band or even the band that's cooking the food at the barbecue. Like, yep. I, I mean, yep. I remember my first time ever on Warp Tour. It wasn't with the Ataris. It was with my first band. Nobody knew who the hell we were. And I'm sitting yep. there like eating a hot dog, talking to Eric Melvin from No Effects. My mind was yes. blown, man. Absolutely, because the bands themselves don't care. They're, if Most bands are just made up of pretty fucking solid people. And yeah. yes, you're going to find those douchebags that exist like in any fucking field. They're douchebag accountants and they're cool accountants. Um but most bands are all we're all doing the same thing and are down to hang out. If you're not if you're not a weirdo to somebody else, they're not going to be a weirdo back to you. And that's a pretty cool way to be. Well, I'll, I'll tell you, there was a small hierarchy on that one. This was actually, I think, I'm not sure what year this was. Maybe it was 02. I don't know. Oh, mm -hmm. oh, three, something like that. But I was with my first band, Chronic Chaos. We were playing the Kevin Says stage, this little tiny stage. And uh, oh, I remember it. Um, at the barbecue, sometimes you'd see everybody, but one night we met this guy named Grant, who was the tour manager for Dropkick Murphys, and he actually yeah. invited us to a second barbecue where they circled the buses and No Effects, Bad Religion, and a few other bands had their own little private, like, cool guy barbecue. <laughs> <laughs> well, that's kind of awesome. And we got, to, we got to go in there, and we just felt like, I was like, man, I can die happy. I'm hanging out with everybody I've listened to since I was, like, 12 years old. <laughs> that's the keys to the kingdom, my man. You infiltrated. Yeah, it was you crazy. You earned it. It was awesome. It's awesome. And, th and think about that. Like, think about being that fucking young punk kid 
and like wow like that must have been just massive well yeah and that's the thing since i started this podcast i mean i'm so stoked to talk to you we're getting ready to talk about one of my favorite records ever pretty much but <laughs> i mean the the fact that i've had guys from pennywise and bad religion yeah. and ba black flag like it blows yep. it blows my mind that these people are just oh yeah i'll come on and talk to you about stuff it yeah I mean, i've had some success in music but i still when I get to talk to somebody that inspired me and influenced me and meant so much to me growing up and they just want to call me and hang out on my computer yes. for, for an hour, it's crazy. Yes. And that's that. I love it. I love that. That's for the most part, how it is like, as long as you're just talking to somebody like an actual human being, you're yeah. probably going to get a pretty good response from that person back. Like it, there's no reason not to. Well, and it's, it's, uh, yeah, it's, it's cool. funny. Like my wife and some friends of mine that listen to the podcast, they're like, we can always really tell when you really like the person that's on the show. <laughs> <laughs> it's like the, yeah. the fangirl comes out, you know? Yeah. But that's the fun of it, man. Like why? And it's an awesome idea. I love, I, because I had listened to this podcast before you, you contacted me to see if I wanted to be on it. See, that blows uh, my mind because I'm such a fan, man. That's awesome. Thank you. Well, it's, well, ditto, man. I'm a fan of the music you made as well. Like, that's just how it is. That's, <laughs> uh, it's, I guess that also comes with being around the same age. Yeah. Yeah. And, and doing all that shit. But yeah, I mean, you, you're talking to people in bands that, that I love listening to. And it's, uh, I couldn't believe it when you're like, hey, you want to be on it? Um, well, dude, dude, our report is so well, and I'm having such a great time. Maybe we just need to have like a sister podcast where we co-host it together, and we. Talk I'm in. About stuff. Okay, Count awesome. me in, man. Well, I want to do it, and I don't want to, you know, give too much away to the listeners. But we were talking the other day. I sent you a demo that I had recorded yep. a few years back. My friend right now is programming drums for a brand new version of it. And yes, oh, in, nice. in the future, Connor and I might have a little song out there somewhere. Guys. I wouldn't be shocked. <laughs> I think it'll be cool. I was uh, actually, I was, yeah. I was talking to my buddy the other day and he was like, man, you've had some really cool people on your show. Wouldn't it be cool if you recorded like, you know, 10 or 15 songs and, and since you don't sing, it would just be all music. And then you could like have the guitarist on your show, put a lead on, you could have the singers sing one of the songs and then put out, <laughs> put out a T O T O T album. I was like, yeah, that'd be amazing. Absolutely. You should do that. And recording sure. is so easy. I mean, I, I don't see why it couldn't happen. <laughs> no, man. On, okay. So on that level, um, recording is so easy is that, um, uh, my friend Ben Andrus, who uh, who put uh, a tape version out of the of the newest Pale Drone recordings, which I think is uh, awesome because like putting a tape out just seems so like punk rock. Well, that's what the kids were doing right now. The tape's back. Hey, oh, hey, let's check it out. So, <laughs> yeah. so he offered to do it, which is super rad. But he um, he has uh, a musical project called The Smile Case that he does, and he asked me to do some screaming and a little bit of sing on one of the songs. And I, I had no time at that point to, to get into a studio. I literally brought my iPad to work with me, um, set it up on the desk and just used the stock Apple headphones that have the microphone on them, which is what I'm using right now, uh, to record my vocal tracks. And that's, that's what's on his album. And it, you, you wouldn't know. I mean, that, that's, that's the cool thing. Like when I get done with this song, I'll send it to you. And if you dig, it, I mean, hell you could do that and it would be great. You know? Yeah. I I'd love to, man. I I'm all over it. Like I writing is my favorite thing on earth to do. I'm a better writer than I am a singer. So <laughs> yeah. I'll, I'll do it and I'll do it happily. Okay. So we're going to get back onto the outline now, my friend. 
Oh, <laughs> rules. So in 2005, and yeah, I'm going to I'm going to fangirl out a little bit on this cuz when I heard it, it was kind of life-changing the way that everything was put together. <laughs> I I know that sounds really crazy, but like I love this record. In 2005, you guys released Trainwreck. It was way more experimental experimental which I love. It was a concept mm-hmm. record. What how was there that jump from Make Yourself Sick to Trainwreck? Cuz I mean both are great records, but it it's such a more mature kind of outlook on like how songwriting goes together. Like it was so different. I, I love it, man. Weed, man. Um, yeah, it, honestly, I'm sure partially weed, but also <laughs> the fact that from make yourself sick and being on the road all the time, uh, you become better at what you do. Yeah. You get and, tighter. Definitely. Yeah, and Jeff um, Davis, like who is dude killer is, killer guitar player? Oh my god, ki- killer guitar player and an amazing writer. Like he is responsible for like I'm gonna say high ninety to ninety five to ninety nine percent of of any musical bits of Boys Night Out. Like he's even done his hand in in vocal melodies uh, and lyrics, and especially when it comes to Trainwreck, um, like he he's a genius and, and, well, I mean, and one of my coming, best friends coming from someone that is pretty well versed in theory. Like I teach guitar for a living, like guitar is my thing. Mm-hmm. And there's so many yep. weird, like suspended chords and just dissonant. Just there's so much like ear candy for people that like music theory on that yes. record. And it just, it was amazing when I heard it, man. I love it. Yeah. And that's, and that's just how it came out. Like the, the, there was no, again, no conscious thing the same way that going to make yourself sick from broken bones was a leap. Uh, and, and really going from make yourself sick to train wreck was a leap. Uh, it wasn't like a conscious sit down, like let's make this thing super weird. Uh, it, it was let, it was just, we were writing. It was just what Jeff had written and then what everybody else wrote to, uh, to be a part of it. Uh, like Costa's bass parts and, and and Brian, who was the drummer on that record from for Dyer uh, and everything like that, man, like everybody was just on the same page. So we, we grew at the same time. Um, and the story was, yeah, I'm interested from, in where the story came from. Cause I've heard a lot of like conflicting reports on the internet about the story. Well, the, the, yeah, the story is Jeff's brainchild. Like he, uh, he wrote a little, uh, a poem, uh, and also sort of like a short story thing. Uh, and that, that poem is in this book that was released that had like a bunch of stuff written by, you know, uh, musicians in that, that like emo screamo punk rock scene called revolutions on canvas. So this book, and I, I can't remember if it was called last call at the hospital or what the fuck it was called. Um, but elements of train wreck are in that. And from that, he um, he had come up with this basic idea for a story. Um, and from there, I remember, you know, us sitting down and, and plotting, you know, 12 basic chapters that we would write about. Well, and I, and love, we I was, love how the name of each song is like a verb. Yeah, I don't remember clearly how that happened. Uh, I, I, I think it made sense uh after that 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 was probably jeff's idea to be honest um but uh it made sense that we we would do that and 
and write 12 chapters each with a, you know, an ING title. Uh, and then I would take that and write the lyrics based on what plot points had to be hit to make the story make some sort of cohesive sense. Yeah. Um, and, and it's funny, there was a, a podcast called Vinyl Reckoning uh, that uh, uh, reviewed Trainwreck recently. And they, they, they got a lot of it uh, pretty spot on. Uh, but they also left a lot of gaping holes. There were times where they're like, oh, are they going to say it? Are they going to get it? And they just didn't. They didn't. I was, I was really excited. There's a couple things nobody ever brings up in that record that I that I want them to, and then we'll be horribly ashamed that they did. But um, yeah, like it was it was all I got way off on a tangent. Uh, what were we talking about again? <laughs> no, we were, Ice cream? We were, we were yeah, I like it. It's really delicious. <laughs> so how how was the fan response to that? I mean, because if if some people were pissed when you guys released "Make Yourself Sick," this had to be a completely different world, right? Oh yeah, oh the oh, the, the anger, the ire. Chris, it was the end end of the world. Uh, yeah, it, uh, a lot of angry people, man. Uh, way less screaming on Trainwreck uh, and way more melodic parts. Yeah, yeah. Um, but also, I, I th- with that came a lot more people interested to listen, which oh, was neat and weird. Yeah. Uh, because even though it is a more, a more melodic, I guess, album is the best way to say it. Um, more rocking as the kids say, um, like, it's pretty weird. Like it's, there's, some it's, real not, it's not, it's not a straightforward, it's not a straightforward record not. at all. Yeah. Yeah. But we were fortunate that with that, um, you know, more people seemed interested in listening, but, but definitely some angry people and some people that just said like, fuck it, like this, this is the same band. You can hear it. And I think you can hear it. Um, like I, to me, to know our records and how we wrote them, I hear bits and pieces of original stuff in the newest stuff and, and all of it, it all makes sense to me, but I was, I was very much there for it all. So let's, uh, we're going to move on past train wreck because I'm just going to keep talking about it because I love it so much, but there's a lot more, I wanna get, <laughs> a lot more I want to get to, <laughs> but go, thank go. you. Thank you for the art though. I appreciate it. That's literally one of my favorite records, man. It's great. Oh, Chris, thank you. And I want to tell you that that, that very last, the closing track on the record dying, mm-hmm. this might sound weird, but that's one of the heaviest songs I've ever heard in my life. Heavy. I'm talking like some of the heavy stuff with the guitar stuff at the beginning. And I'm also talking about lyrically and just the vibe of it. Even that, no. the bluesy solo at the end. I mean, it's, I mean, it just, the only word that comes to mind is heavy. Well, d- dude. And, and we, when we recorded that and we got to that song and had to really make that work. And, you know, machine who, who produced that album. Uh, I remember he and Jeff working on that solo um, like Jeff, Jeff would have all these amazing ideas and it, it and like, he was never a hundred percent happy with it and would, would, you know, want to rework it in some way. Uh, and machine would, would have a lot of input in that too. Um, and, and we knew that that song was going to be a heavy fucking song. And it, I mean, it was the closer of the album. So yeah. finding a way for it to tie everything together, um, and and all that like like that was so much fun that was and i love how certain melodies and like certain like phrases kind of kind of jump from song to song like they'll show up again at the end from like a song in the middle like i just love the whole way it was put together i think it's probably one of the most well thought out records that i own (laughs) 
oh man, well, thank you. <laughs> I mean, I think it's great, man. We, you should see if it if it lines up with the Wizard of Oz. Uh, it does, and and the, but <laughs> after the, the third lion too, roar at the beginning, right? But the difference is, is that it actually lines up with every movie that's ever been made. <laughs> if you sync Trainwreck to any movie, you can watch uh, anything really. Um, it, it'll line up perfectly. Cool, man. I'm gonna try that tonight. I'm gonna do it with steps. yeah. Try it. I'm gonna do it. Actually, I'm gonna do it with the the new episode of Game of Thrones. Uh, is that tonight? That's tonight, dude. If you're a fan, oh, you better shit. get going. I am a fan. Uh, oh fuck! Okay, cool. My wife and Good I are know. super excited. After I get off the phone with you, I'm going to go get some dinner, and we're just going to chill with our kids and watch Game of Thrones. Oh man, um, what's the, the, this? This is boring parent talk. You can you can edit this out after. No, let's talk. Let's wonder. talk about parents. Like, though I've got a lot of a lot of parents that listen to the show. But like, what, what time do your kids go to bed, man? Like, what? Okay, like, okay. Well, here's the deal. I have a oh, my son Silas will be three this month. And yeah. my daughter Indy is about 18 months old. So Indy Ooh. starts going to sleep around 8:30 or 9 and she falls asleep. Yep. Silas on the other hand, he kind of stays up sometimes till 11, sometimes he'll be in bed by 9, but he's we're kind of we're kind of loose with him because he doesn't like he won't stay up all night, but we give him sometimes his tablet and he can go watch his videos next to us while we're watching TV. But yeah, I, I saw about, him about watching 10 Paw Patrol today. Yeah, Paw Patrol. He was watching Paw Patrol. But yeah, like 10 o'clock, maybe a little later, depending upon what kind of night it's been. Yeah. See, and that's a wild thing too, is be like time to make music and like having kids. So is just the reality of like, well, what time are you going to bed? Oh, yeah. Yeah. What? when will I have any time to myself to do anything, be it watch game of Thrones or like try and work on music. Like it's, it's, it's wild, man. Well, it's, that was, that was the thing with this podcast. Like I try to release them on Tuesdays or Wednesdays. I'm, I try to be very kind of, you know, anal and right there. Like it's going to come out on this day. So everybody knows it's coming wow. out. And Silas, <laughs> some nights he gets in a mood and he won't go to sleep. And, yep. and I always edit the podcast and do all my intros and outros after he goes to sleep. So there's been a couple weeks where the podcast has been a day late because old dad can't stay up that late to do Absolutely, the podcast. Man. Oh, yep. I, I sing it, sister. I feel you. <laughs> Not to mention, I mean, you know, having the kids trying to do the podcast. Uh, I run a music camp for kids. I teach 60 yeah. kids a week guitar. Like my life's pretty hectic. <laughs> That's pretty awesome, though, man. Like you're involved in some cool shit. So, like, that's kudos. I couldn't to do you. it without my wife, man. She she's the she's the one that keeps everything together. Bless you, bless you, child. <laughs> okay, okay, so train wreck. I love it. We're mm -hmm. done talking about train wreck. Okay. Now, uh, the touring on train wreck was is it? Mm -hmm. I mean, did it seem to keep going up and up and up, or was there a lot of touring yeah. after train wreck? Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. It just it, yeah, for sure, man. Like uh touring was a, just a constant thing. I mean, all in all, we we were on the road easily 10 months out of the year. Um, you know, uh, going out be it for 3 months or 5 months and then if we were home, it would be for maybe a week or two. Uh and then right back out on the next one. Uh the and and that was that was the idea. Like that was what we were doing, just touring as much as we physically could. Uh, and, and it was awesome, but yeah, all, we saw, we saw some of the shows get, get bigger. Um, we were able to play like some larger venues, uh, and things like that. And, you know, personally, I've, I've always really loved a, like a small tight show. Like yeah. that's, that's my jam. I would take that over anything else. Um, but it was really wild for us to be given, you know, bigger tours and 
uh, bigger opportunities after that record came out. And that was in, in a numbers game. That was our best selling record. Yeah, for sure. Like no questions asked. So what, what happened then, you know, like two years later, you guys put out the self-titled album, which, yep. which I thought was amazing as well. I mean, some of it, I think the, the same like trajectory you guys were on with, you know, the evolution that was train wreck, it just kept going yep. forward and I'm sure people liked it if they liked train wreck. Was there a lot after that? Because I noticed you guys kind of went on a hiatus sort of like after that, right? Very soon after that. So, um, yeah, it, uh, that 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 record for the most part like af- after train wreck i mean after something that was had so much you know thought put into it in terms of every single element um the self-titled i it wasn't like um uh, our way of countering that but it was way more of a freeform approach to songwriting yeah. it, it was just like each standalone song and we and we love that record like i love that it record. seemed like it seemed like yeah there was like the musicianship was there everything was almost exactly like train wreck but there wasn't this consistent like like you know parallel that, that all the songs yeah. went together and they all had a common goal you know yeah absolutely and they were different and i think it was was again us um because at the end of the day, Boys Night Out for us was always like, well, what what do we want to play that's fun for us? Uh, and and that was it. Like we, that's all we cared about. It was like, if we're going to be playing these songs, they have to be fun to play. Um, so we went in like it's a way more. I, I'm going to say pop punk record than yeah. Train Trainwreck. Uh, a lot more just like straight ahead stuff. Um, but that's because I was fun to play and those songs were so fun to write and the vocal melodies were fun to write. And for me, um, to write lyrics to not, not being bound to a storyline, uh, was awesome. was very, very, very like freeing was like, okay, well, what, what do I want to write about again? Cause again, like I, I would take writing over singing any day. Yeah. Uh, like I love writing lyrics. I love writing anything. Uh, so it it was fun to just kind of see what came out. And it was still very dark at, at the core of it because I am just an empty shell of a human. But <laughs> like we all uh, are, man. We all you know, are. Aren't we, man? Yeah, yeah. God. Uh, but yeah, very, very different record. And uh, yeah, I don't think people really knew what to do with it. Um, and, and we were getting pretty burnt out at that point from from all the touring and everything. Uh, and you're right. Yeah. The, the hiatus came, you know, uh, on the heels of that album. So with not touring very much, you know, as far as the hiatus went, how did that album, did it do well? I mean, you said train wreck was the, the best selling record, but I mean, I'm sure it still yeah. did fairly well, even without the touring. Correct. It, it did. All right. Didn't do great. Um, I think people are responding to it more now, uh, yeah. than they were then to be a hundred percent honest, like when, uh, recently, um, people may have noticed there's been a lot more traffic on like our social media stuff. Um, I've been a lot more active on that cause I, I run all those. Uh, and we, you know, we're like, Hey, like that never got pressed as a vinyl. And we wanted to see if anybody would actually give a shit if it did, because we, we don't know, like we, we have no idea. Like we're so removed, um, from when that album came out 12 years ago, the self-titled, 
um, that we had no idea if anybody would even give a shit. But the response we got was unbelievable. I couldn't believe that people would actually be interested in something like that. So I I think getting older, you people are connecting to that more now. Well, I'll tell you, man, when I announced that you were going to be on the show, I mean, people went fucking crazy. (laughs) And that's so weird to me, man. I think it's great. Like I, I, I've got so many questions here at the end, like listener questions. I had to pare it down to like four or five because I just on across all social media platforms, I probably had like 40 questions from people. Jesus. It's, 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 it's mind blowing to me. And like, I'm, I'm pretty humbled by that because, um, it, I, yeah, I just, I, I don't even know. It blows my mind that anybody would be interested. Also the fact that Katie, my wife posted a question on there <laughs> being a dick. Uh, was yeah, I, I left hers out, but you know, we'll give her yeah, a shot. Well, I'll, you, you let me talk to her. Okay. <laughs> okay. So, uh, during the hiatus, like what were you guys doing? I mean, you in particular, like, were you just working a normal job? Were you just hanging out? What was, what was that time like? Well, we didn't even know if it was a hiatus. It was honestly because what had happened and I can probably tie this. I don't know if you're going to include that question, but somebody had asked what happened to the last tour that we were supposed to do. That was actually uh, what I wanted to include, but I didn't. So yeah, you can go ahead and, and give, okay, a, give well, them their then, answer. It, well, yeah. So we did an Australian tour and that was the last tour we ever did. After that, um, we, you know, uh, like, and we were so burnt out. That was such a whirlwind tour um short but like touring australia as i'm sure you know it's like you're you're you have to fly to every show you have to do do all that and we were burnt out to begin with we came back uh and we had been offered this east coast canada tour um and uh, with 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 a great band called uh sydney who is from this area who who onto who was uh, i was talking to earlier today he was over here at the house um he was in that band and and we were joking about that last tour, but when we started to drive out to that tour, uh, our van broke down and we were already so burnt out and so defeated that it was just like the final nail in the coffin. Uh, We were just like, well, fuck, fuck, what the fuck? Now we can't afford to pay for this. Uh, it's, it sucks. And we were trying so hard to make it out. So the way the information was getting relayed was like, uh, and Anto was joking about this today, like the information they're receiving, well, okay, so they're going to miss the first show, uh, but they're going to be on there for the second show. And then, so we were trying to make that work and it didn't work out. Uh, and then there was a huge fucking snowstorm out on the Canadian East coast, which totally fucked up everybody. Uh, so we couldn't make it out for that. At that point, we just kind of threw up our hands. We're like, we're, we're fucking done. Like we're, we're this, I don't know. And, you know, so many things kind of came to a head at that point (laughs) and we called it a hiatus, but I, I think we, we knew we weren't going to be playing again, uh, at, at the core of it. Um, what was the reaction it, from ferret? Because usually, I mean, a band that's doing very, you know, fairly well on the label, they put out a record. I mean, they probably wanted you guys to be touring. Were they cool with it? Did they understand or they were very, very cool, but like they, you know, they weren't stoked. Yeah. Um, yeah. like, you know, what the fuck at, at that point, contractually, uh, we had fulfilled our obligation with how many records we were going to do and everything like that. Um, and, and Carl, you know, who, who runs good fight, which, you know, is came from the ashes of ferret. Um, 
he's the one that put up black dogs. Like we still have a very good relationship with those guys. Um, but yeah, I mean, they, they weren't stoked. There was a lot of loose ends that came from that, but like, like I said before, we were always our, our biggest like self saboteurs. Like that's just <laughs> who we were. Like it was, it's crazy to think back at that, but I mean, there was, there was necessity in there. There was, uh, you know, just, just being just shells of humans at that point. Uh, but yeah, it was wild. I, I we might have thought maybe we'd play a show again or something, but I, I think we all kind of knew that was the end. So 2015, you guys get together, <laughs> you're recording a record, Black Dogs, the EP. Yep. What I mean, what changed during all that that whole time period? Because you guys went from basically 2007, 2008, all the way to 2015. Yep. And I know in between there, in 2009, you did a band called Hard Calibers and you did yep. a couple other things. But yep. what was like, what was the the genesis like the let's get this band going again and put out a record it it was not even really about that uh you know jeff had written the the hard calibers album uh, uh album i say demos like it's not like it was a, a full-on album um it was great stuff though man i, I was i was texting it today i had it on my old ipod on yeah. my old ipod but it broke and i i don't have it now you got to find it and send it to me i will try i i mean it's a hard <laughs> thing to come by i think i might be able to dig it up but like that that's just classic uh jeff uh writing songs like he just is an awesome songwriter so he did these things and he sings on all of them except one uh, called on fitting, which is the only song on that al- that bunch of songs that I wrote like that. I wrote that song, you know, front, front to back, like drums, guitar, vocals, uh, everything and sang on it. But Jeff sings on all those other songs. He did all the writing for him. I, I, I love that shit because I, I love Jeff's writing style and I love his singing style. Um, and the stuff that he had sent me that would ultimately become black dogs, because even in that hard caliber stuff, you can hear boys night out. Oh, that's, that's why uh, I loved it so much. Cause I mean, it was almost yeah. like a continuation of the self titled. Yeah. And you can hear it because guess what? Jeff is the fucking writer and he was writing those songs. Uh, so when he was sending me random songs, just saying like, Hey, do you want to write some vocals to this? Of course I do. Like Jeff is my favorite you know, guitar player to, to write to, um, fuck you, Trevor and Adam from pale drone. Um, (laughs) shout out to pale drone. (laughs) (laughs) I don't mean it guys. I'll be at practice. Um, and, but like, you know, I've known Jeff, you know, forever. He's the same age as my sister. I knew him since he was a kid. Um, uh, and so, yeah, I jumped to the chance to write some songs and it was never supposed to be boys night out. Um, but the, the more they came together, the more they sounded like it might as well have been right after even train wreck or, you know, right after maybe the self-titled, uh, but it had a lot of those elements. So we decided to see if Ben and Dave, uh, would be on board to, to write together again. And we did. And then we posted up a picture of like that first practice on Instagram, which was now a thing and never was when we were actually a band. <laughs> yeah. Um, and that, that's a whole other, thing. I could do a fucking two hours on social, like what I think of social media and, and its role, but like, I won't, uh, I think it's a necessary and, evil if you're going to be in music. Oh, or I agree. Even the podcast. I totally like I don't, 
man, I, I sit and think about, man, it, I don't have a new episode for a couple of days. What can I post that's cool and like interactive? Yes. But, but then, yeah. I, then I get sick. Like, why aren't I just working on my show? I'm so worried about the promotion aspect of it. So exactly. You have to strike a balance, you know, but we wouldn't have, there would have been zero traction for us as boys night out to be without Instagram, without Facebook, without all that shit. Uh, who would we have shown that we were even hanging out against? We posted this one picture, uh, of us just jamming together. And even at that point, it wasn't boys night out. It was just writing with the same guys. Like, are we going to even call it boys night out? Um, and and people gave us a really good response and like alternative press reposted it and and all this shit like that and and like alt press was always really 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 nice to our band yeah um and you know smart punk and all all these these cool people that that supported us back in the day were were talking about it it was and it was wild we we didn't expect people to respond how they did uh, and uh, Black Dogs is is one of my favorite records that we ever did. It was short, uh, but it was a lot of fun, man. Like, I love that album. So uh, you guys now are once again on hiatus, I guess. I, w- I won't say broken up, right? Because I mean, Jeff moved out to Vancouver or somewhere. Yep. Yeah. As soon as he finished his guitar parts for Black Dogs, he moved to Vancouver. So, so, so you guys are just day. kind of in a holding pattern, right? Yeah. Uh, and and we're always we're always in contact. So even, you know, we're always talking about getting together and I would say now more than ever, there's the possibility of us actually doing a show and, and possibly writing more. I couldn't give a timeline for it. Yeah. Uh, but I would be shocked if it didn't happen. Um, we haven't played together since black dogs at all. Like we haven't all set up instruments and played together since being in the studio. Um, but, but, there's a lot of talk about it uh, between us and it's, it's something that I think would be a lot of fun. And like, uh, you know, the, there might be, there's anniversaries of albums coming up. Like, um, you know, with train wreck, we missed the 10 year, but, and people are always asking for a repress of that. And like, will there be a pressing of the self-titled? It's like, well, we, we'd like to see that and we're working on it. Yeah. Um, but there's a lot of red tape with it being owned by another record label. Uh, and I have my own personal things to say about all that. Um, <laughs> but which I will not say, um, you're totally, but, you can, if you want, man, <laughs> Nah, you know, it's, yeah, it's just, I, I've it's dealt so, with labels. I, I got, I, I probably have some stuff to say about it as well. Yeah. I mean, you know, you know what it is. Uh, the guys that were their boots on the ground, you know, Carl, Rick, everybody that's involved in good fight, which was ferret, um, are the most supportive and wonderful people in the world. Warner less. So, yeah. Um, uh, and, uh, yeah, that's probably not even their fault. It's like, who the fuck is boys night out on their radar? Well, dude, Uh, dude, when I, I don't know if you saw it, but, uh, yesterday I, I posted, a little snippet of the medicating video on Instagram. Yes. And yep. to say that I was getting ready to talk to you and Instagram blocked it and said, I didn't have permission. Yes, to play that. I know. <laughs> so, so here's what I did. It said, you can appeal. So I hit the button and it said, if you feel like you have the right to play this, you know, do your digital signature. So I did. And then I hit it and then it said, your appeal has been won and they reposted the video. So really? Yeah. Warner brothers 
I, I guess, I mean, if they want to get me in trouble, they can, but I played the damn video. I don't care. Yeah, you did. Um, <laughs> and I, I've been in touch with them very, very recently, like in the past couple of weeks, even. Um, so, you know, it's, it's possible that there, there is some sort of like knowing who the fuck boys night out is and maybe like, Oh, it's okay. If, if, Connor's involved in that. I don't know how that works though. Like who the fuck am I? <laughs> um, but, but, but yeah, man, like, so that, yeah, we, we might do more stuff maybe. Well, tell me, I know we've talked a lot about boys night out and I've got some more questions from the listeners yeah. coming up, but tell me about pale drone. I'm really interested. Happily. I, I love the stuff, man. It sounds great. Thanks dude. Uh, very different band. Uh, clearly, but that is, like I said earlier, uh, guys I met, you know, in, in the nineties, uh, in the local hardcore scene, you know, they were all in, uh, not all in mostly in a band called new day rising and, uh, spread the disease. Uh, and, uh, Trevor, uh, hit me up, uh, who's the guitar player hit me up on, uh, I think a Facebook message just saying like, Hey, you used to scream in hardcore bands in the nineties. Do you want to? scream in a band now i'm like oh fuck that's horrifying <laughs> no i no i do not want to do that um because i had no idea how to scream screaming is what destroyed my voice in boys night out um but i said you know let me hear a couple songs and i'll come i'll come to a jam and um i actually had learned how to scream properly in the interim years so now i don't blow out my voice and just like those guys are awesome like uh, like Jerome, Ollie, Adam, uh, and and Trevor, like uh, it's, it's so much fun to write music with, and they're all awesome dudes. And uh, yeah, but it is it is heavy as fuck. It's very heavy music, like metal hardcore. Um, that I the forgot. One, the one of the songs that I listened to this morning because I, I I've listened to him a lot, but the one I played this morning I can't remember the name of it, but it was kind of sort of groovy though too. Like it was heavy. Yeah, but it had kind of like this this groove to it. I really really enjoyed it. Yeah, it's and and that's again just from them being awesome writers. Uh, I know I said fuck you earlier, guys, but <laughs> I didn't mean it. I was trying to be colorful. Um, but they're just cool songwriters, and it's it's fun to write that, and it's fun as hell to scream, like just to really fucking scream shit and write that kind of music lyrically. Oh my god, I. I Fucking, I love being in Pale Drone. It's tons of fun, man. It's it, it's great. So we released a, a seven inch, uh, and you not got too you got the cassette ago. too. The cassette came out as well. Yep, right? yep. That Ben put out on his uh, his label uh, uh, Blacktop Records, um, which was a companion that had the new two songs that we put out for the seven inch and our demo, uh, which was kind of cool. But like, yeah, I. I Playing shows with that band is so much fun, man. It has filled that void that I haven't felt in a while. Do you guys have any shows coming up you'd like to tell my listeners? We do, uh, but probably not. Uh, this this probably won't air till May, I think you said, right? Yeah, I think it's going to be out in, in uh, late April, early May. Yeah, because we're, I mean, we're playing a show... Um, People can, tra East. people can travel back in time and go to the show. If they're, listen, if they have their time traveling shit hooked up and it's working <laughs> properly, by all means, please, we're playing on Easter Sunday. Well, hey, they just, in, they just posted uh, that first ever picture of the black hole. So people are probably tra time traveling now. I know. So it, it makes sense. But we, you know what? We are, Pale Drone is playing a show uh, on uh, Tuesday, June 18th. 
uh, in Toronto with uh, Creeping Death and Fuming Mouth and uh, Dihex. Cool. Uh, which will be fun. So good old, good old Toronto town, just uh, <laughs> right, right around the corner from us. Okay, so we've been on the phone for quite a while. I'm not capping this. Sometimes I'm, I try to do it in an hour, but I'm having a blast. You've been a really, really cool guest. <laughs> so I'm, I've cool. got my listener questions now, and I'm gonna, I'm gonna ask you some listener questions. Oh my god! Okay, let's so do here, it. here we go. You ready, man? I'm scared. Okay, so the first one comes from uh, the birthday boy, which this is gonna be not. It's gonna be pretty funny later because it's not his birthday when this comes out. But uh, no, James Cubby Nealon, our both of our James mutual Cubby. buddy Cubby. Yep. Cubby wants to know, and shout out to James. Hello, Cubby. How are you doing? Uh, he wants to know which book series do you like more, The Dark Tower or The Wheel of Time? Oh, Cubby, you son of a bitch. Um, and he knows this. I mean, I <laughs> I have uh, a full Dark Tower sleeve, uh, tattoo sleeve. My whole right arm is Dark Tower from hand to shoulder. Awesome. Uh, um, and, and he's the same way. He's got tons of Dark Tower tattoos, which was entirely tattooed by his sister, Carol. She's a great uh, tattoo artist. Yeah, yeah. She's awesome, man. Uh, and she, uh, Dude, you gotta, you gotta know my, my, my relationship with them. I stayed at Cubby's house one time for two weeks and Mr. Neal and his dad cooked me bison burgers on the grill. I, I, I'm a part of the family. <laughs> That family is insanely welcoming and awesome. They're like, great, it, man. It's super cool. Uh, but listen, man, I don't know how much of a nerd you are in terms of like fantasy novels. I mean, I love The Dark Tower. I'm not as yeah. familiar with The Wheel of Time, but yeah, I mean, I know The Dark Tower quite well. Wheel of Time is fucking phenomenal. And my my friend Mark Johnson uh, is who got me into Wheel of Time because he knew how much I liked The Dark Tower. And it's just this crazy series. And I do have a Wheel of uh, Time tattoo as well. Awesome. Uh, because I'm just a cool guy. Um, <laughs> and uh, But I will say uh, Wheel of Time is, is a lot more dense and has a lot more fucking shit going on. But Dark Tower uh, is, is kind of one of those things that did, it changed my life in a weird way. Uh, so Stephen King's Dark Tower, kids get into it. It's my favorite, and fuck you, Cubby. <laughs> thanks for the, thanks for the question, <laughs> Cubby. Okay, moving on. Now we have Russ from Georgia. He wanted to know. He says some of the song titles are lines from movies. <laughs> are yep. there any good stories about how they were selected as the song titles? Uh, I mean, what makes a good story? I don't know. Um, I guess any story. <laughs> Any any story is a good story. Yeah, uh, it's weird. Like there was so much to do with us and Adam Sandler back in the day. Like Boys Night Out. Like literally, the name came from like him saying screaming Boys Night Out in uh, now I can't even remember which one it was. I want to say Billy Madison, yeah. uh, but it could have been one of the other ones. Uh, and you know, uh, punching the nose is from wedding singer uh, i got punched in the nose for sticking my face in other people's business uh that's from wedding singer uh uh oh, jesus christ so many are like i would just because i'm a huge consumer of, of pop pop culture uh i would just hear these little things and just write them down like uh it's probably a good thing that you guys stopped like you know with that whole adam sandler thing when he was still making yeah. good movies <laughs> Yeah, you, uh, you don't want like a line from Jack and Jill to show up on a Boys Night Out record. Don't tell me what I want. Yes, I do want <laughs> to do that. Um, 
no, I, it's, it's, it's weird. And I, there was a lot of that though, back in the day. Like, I mean, even, you know, fallout boy had a lot of like Rushmore was a big reference point for them, uh, for fallout boy. And, uh, I, I probably ripped off some lines from Rushmore and like, uh, Wes Anderson movies and things like that in the titles. It was honestly, titles were always so hard to place um that like a, a solid little line would just fit the bill nicely and they were long they were so long and i don't know what it made me think that that was an acceptable thing to do but but i did it well, probably all it of, probably all of the hardcore bands and emo bands back then all of the titles were like a book you know i know man uh like minus the bear is great for song titles oh i love minus uh, the bear they're great man yeah that, and like uh just yeah it's but it i don't know i think it was just a thing that happened somebody would think of something they thought was either funny or something they picked out that sounded dark uh and like okay well some professional writer put these words together so i'm gonna <laughs> use that as the title because they're probably smarter than i am that's awesome okay so last listener question i'm gonna cap this at three because i've got so many it's it's crazy we'll have you back for a part two we'll just do listener cool. questions Oh, yeah. Let's go. Let's open it up live. <laughs> so we've got Bob from Hamilton, Ontario. <laughs> Ontario. Ontario. Sorry. Ontario. <laughs> yeah, I'm from America, man. I'm from America. Yeah, yeah. So Bob from Hamilton, Ontario. And uh, he wants to know what you think the clothes will look like in the future. Uh, so, yeah, specifically the clothes of the future. Um, <laughs> and you got cheated, my man, because Bob, what, I was hanging out with Bob. Uh, oh, so Bob's a, friend. Bob's a friend. Bob's a okay. friend. Bob was in gym class joke. <laughs> okay. Bob, he, he bamboozled me. He did. And we were together and that was, uh, I was hanging out with him when I had sent you a couple like choice pictures and shit like that. Like we were, that was that night. Um, uh, well, it's still, it's still, a, it's quite a good question. I'd like to know your answer, but it's not in t- <laughs> because the asshole asked it because, uh, we were weird teenagers and 20 somethings. And there was a thing we would do called clothes of the future, okay. uh, which would be to imagine sort of uh, what social hierarchy would be uh, in the distant future and be it uh, in dystopia or utopia, uh, the ca- different castes of society and what those people would be wearing and doing uh and uh most of it would be towel related uh <laughs> fashions um the the idea of being scantily clad but still perf- really truthfully showing the important parts and what you should cover and how that speaks to your status as a human being uh and that's what we would do to amuse ourselves uh because we were so cool and <laughs> You so, guys, you guys sound like you were awesome teenagers. We were awesome teenagers, and I'll tell. I was straight edge for my entire teens, uh, but uh, but we were awesome people. We found ways to amuse ourselves. Uh, most of them were not straight edge, but I, but I was. Can you, can you tell me what like changed for you, like when you broke edge? Because I had a lot of friends that were the same way. I never really did. I don't even drink now, but it's yeah. not. It's not because I'm. I belong to some club or something. I just. I always wondered because I had so many friends that were like hardcore straight edge, and then yeah. one day for some reason or another they smoked weed or they drank a beer, yeah. and then and then it was like, oh, straight edge is stupid. Like, I just. What what did what did it take for you to kind of break out of that? 
for me, I mean, like there was always, uh, there was always things and always, you know, friends, uh, that, that would be like, Oh, just, just do this. Just, you know, and, and they, it was all good natured, man. Like nobody was like, Hey, you, you piece of garbage, straight edge kid, you should be drinking. Nobody was like that. And I was never one of those, you know, hardline straight edge kids. It was like, none of my friends around me can drink or smoke. Like I, it, it was, I only listen to minor threat all day long. <laughs> yeah, that, every minute of every hour, every day. Like, no, it was, uh, is straight edge. Honestly, that, that scene saved my life because I was from a very young age was headed down, uh, a path that probably would have killed me. Um, if I, I didn't hear about what straight edge was uh, and realize, oh, hey, there's, there's a whole bunch of people that don't need to do this. And, and actually, so for from the time I was as young as I, I want to say 11, 12, 13, um, like uh, in or early high school. No, it would have been early high school. Um, found out about straight edge and just like adopted it. Like it was my mantra. I never judged anybody else. I didn't give a fuck. Yeah. Uh, but it was a part of that scene. Like I have straight edge tattoos and all that. And when I decided to no longer be straight edge and, and follow the tenants of that lifestyle, uh, it, it was because I'd reached a point and I was 20, ooh, 21, 22, 23, uh, I was definitely older than 21. Let's say 23 years old. Uh, when I stopped being straight edge, uh, it was just because I didn't need to be that in order to not die, uh, <laughs> yeah. to, to, to not continue down that path. I just, I had for lack of a better term, self-control because I definitely did some to excess post straight edge. Um, but it was more of just, I, I, just decided I, I could do it without having the the label attached to it. That was always my issue. I mean, I was never like against straight edge. Like I said, I never really did drugs or anything like that when I was young. But a, mm -hmm. all, all the a lot of people that I knew that were like the militant straight edge guys, it was almost like Christianity or anything else. It's like you don't have to push what you think onto me. Like I'm <laughs> I'm not doing anything bad. Yeah. And and that was the, the the kind of the issue I always had with it. But I also had a lot of friends that just like you, if it hadn't been for straight edge and kind of finding that and identifying with the other people that were straight edge and kind of feeling like you were a part of something bigger, they could have died or ended up in jail, yeah. like jail or whatever. Yeah, man. And, and, and again, like, that's the thing. Like I didn't care. Most of my friends were not straight edge. Um, I, I didn't care. Like I, it was a hundred percent for me. Uh, there just happened to be a community outside of that, that I, that I could be a part of and be like, Hey, there's other kids that aren't, like getting hammered every night in high school and and that's fine that and it, it it i'm i saw them having a great time uh getting hammered every night and, and partying like that but but i couldn't be doing that and it was cool to to know some people out there that were also not doing that yeah which which is pretty wild so straight edge let's go <laughs> straight edge so uh, I've had you on the phone for quite a while. I think we're going to wrap this up, but I would like to have you back in the future. Can you tell me about what's going on in your future? I know you said there might be something with Boys Night Out in the you know distant future. What's go yeah. what's going on with Pale Drone or anything else? Like, what do you have cooking for the future? Anything? I I, I will say you are there are going to be some like Boys Night Out anniversary related things through Good Fight. 
uh, records. So, you know, look out for that. There's a lot of red tape associated with it, but like you will be hearing some stuff coming up. Um, and, and, you know, we are going to try and play some shows and, and do that, but that's all talk right now. Uh, pale drone, uh, we're just, we're writing, uh, we're, we're playing shows. Like I said, we have that June 18th show in Toronto, um, and always looking to play more and just keep going. Other than that, man, it's for me, it's, it's mostly dad life. Uh, and, uh, you know, I, uh, like I said, I love writing. If anybody wants to give me writing jobs, hit me up. <laughs> I'll use that to further my own writing career. Give, give me work. Give me writing jobs. Well, speaking of hitting you up, uh, can you plug your socials or email or a website, anything so people can check you out? Yeah, if they want to, uh, it's mostly pictures of me and my daughter or my bands, but, uh, I mean, it's, uh, see love it Fraser on most social media, uh, just my first initial and last name with no punctuation, you'll find it. Uh, if you're interested, if I really hope you like uh, pictures of my daughter because they're on there. Awesome. Uh, does Pale Drone have any socials as well? 100% man, just uh, Pale Drone Band on, uh, on Instagram. Uh, you'll be able to find it pretty easy on, on Facebook and all that stuff. But yeah, also, Pale Drone. You guys also have a band camp, right? Where they can actually check it out and download it. Yeah. And same thing. Like if you, if you search for pale drone on Bandcamp, you can find it. If you want to throw us a couple bucks, we always appreciate that kind of thing because, uh, it's not free to record yeah, and yeah. do stuff like that. And it's, it's funny being older and, and realizing like, Hey, we still want to do this and Hey, it's still not free. <laughs> um, but yeah, please like check out pale drone. We're, we're always doing stuff. We're very much active as a band. And in terms of boys night out, we're, we're trying, man, give us a minute. I swear. Well, Connor, I've had a blast today, man. And I'm definitely going to have you back in the future. Me too, man. It's fun. And, uh, you know, we should really talk about doing a little co-hosting, like get some kind of side thing going. We'll talk about the Dark Tower. Let's do it. Let's do it, man. We've become friends in the past few weeks. Like we've gone from just, uh, you know, will you be on this? We're, we're bros now. So let's uh, let's get some shit going. Well, I appreciate it. And, uh, you know, much love and, and, and everything to you and your family. And I will talk to you soon, my friend. I'm right back at you, buddy. Yeah, talk to you later, buddy. <laughs> Bye. Bye. So there it was, my conversation with Connor from Boys Night Out and Pale Drone. I had so much fun talking to Connor. He will definitely be back in the future. Uh, I was trying to get my son to sleep a little bit ago, and Connor and I were actually texting back and forth for about a half hour, uh, talking about this podcast and just talking about all kinds of stuff. He he said I should move to Canada, but I doubt my wife would do that. I've already talked her into moving from the beach up to Indiana, so... I think Canada is a little bit too far north for us right now, but uh, I do love Canada. So all my listeners up there in Canada, you guys got a good a good thing going up there. I really like it up there. But uh, I'm going to get out of here. Thank you guys so much for checking out this week's episode. I will be back next week with episode number 52, which is the Ask Chris year-end special anniversary episode. So come back for that. After that, I'm just going to keep rolling. I got so many cool guests coming up. You guys are going to love it. But here we go. I play music at the end. This is what I always do. I'm going to play a Boys Night Out song and a Pale Drone song. 
I'm going to play, I was thinking about this, what am I going to play? I love Boys Night Out so much. I could play something from the self-titled, I could play something from Trainwreck, but I'm going to play one of their most recent songs. They put out Black Dogs back in, I think, 2016, it could have been 2015, I'm I don't, I don't remember correctly, but, uh, Black Dogs was their last EP that they put out on, I think it's, uh, on Good Fight. And uh, I'm going to play the song, the first track on the song, the lead off track. It's called Of Waves. It's really, really cool. It, uh, kind of is reminiscent of some of the guitar work and whatnot that was on the self titled and train wreck. So if you like that, you're really going to dig it. And after that, I'm going to play Pale Drone with Regolith Rips. So thank you guys very much. I will see you next week. Chris out.
One Hit Thunder is a podcast where we both celebrate and have a good laugh about bands and artists that had just one hit that we all know. Each week, we're joined by a guest from the world of music or comedy to learn more than you ever thought you would about some songs that you can't forget. And we decide if they brought the one hit thunder or nothing more than a one hit blunder. Look, if you listen to the show, you're probably going to laugh and I guarantee you're going to crush next time the bar has music trivia. Tag Team, Jane Child, Meredith Brooks, Looking Glass, Sean Mullins, Eiffel 65, EMF, Crash Test Dummies, Crazy Town, Chumbawamba. We have hundreds of episodes in our back catalog and a new episode each week. So pass the duchy, make sure you're connected, and subscribe to One Hit Thunder wherever you get your pods.